You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. If you guys have been hanging out with us for the last several weeks, we've been in this series called Relationship Goals. If you haven't noticed by the fuchsia or pink, I don't know what color that is. Um, salmon? <laughs> salmon. Salmon colored. Um, we've been in this series called Relationship Goals for the last several weeks. Week one, Pastor Day focused on prayer and its impact and its importance for every re- relationship, especially marriage. Week two, Pastor Mike talked about mission and being on mission together. And he had this line that I really loved. He said, division or division is having two separate missions and, how, and focus on how we can be on mission together. Uh, week three, we looked at temptation and trying to reframe the question. So trying to figure out how close we can get to the edge or how close we can get to the border. Let's figure out how far away from it we can get. Uh, last week, Pastor Dave spoke on covenant relationships are built on trust. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a topic that... It's the last thing that I would want to be in front of a group of people to talk about. Like, I mean, I'm dead serious. When Liz said, oh, yeah, you're going to talk about this. I'm like, uh, can I talk about missions? She's like, oh, Mike's already got that. So I'm like, can I talk on the Good Samaritan or literally anything else? Um, but <laughs> here I am today. Uh, part of that is because the topic we're going to talk about is something that uh, personally I don't think I did well um, when I was younger. Um, you know, I'm only 26, but when I was younger, I don't think I did it well. Um, but the other part is, it's not, it's not an attractive subject. Um, it's not something that people get excited in most, most circles. People just kind of don't really want to talk about it. Um, but as I began to study, I found that this topic is important, not only for my life today, but uh, in marriage, but for everyone. And the topic we're going to talk about today is singleness. Um, now, you're like, man, we're in this series called Relationship Goals. Like, why are you talking about singleness? Some of you guys might be I finally got my boyfriend in church, and we're in a relationship, and you want to talk about singleness? Uh, other of you guys might be like, man, you're 26 years old. I've been married longer than you've been alive. I definitely don't want to hear you talk about singleness. And the, uh, or you could be like, man, I'm really trying to work on my relationship, that's one of my goals for 2020, and you're going to talk about singleness. That's not really what I came here for. Or, and the single people in the room are like, we definitely don't want to talk about singleness. <laughs> we came here to hopefully find somebody so that we could leave not single. But again, I think this, the more I've studied this topic, um, the more I've found that it's impactful uh, for everyone and has been a, a more important in my life now than what it was when I was single. Um, but before we continue on and kind of figure out what, what God has been, you guys are just kind of going to go on the journey with me, like what God has been teaching me these last few weeks on this topic. Uh, but before that, we do that, let's go to him in prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for just the simple fact that every person in this room and every person not in this room is so deeply important to you, that you personally want to have a relationship with them. I thank you for, for just your, your grace that you've given us breath in our lungs to be here. Um, that so many around the world, um, when it comes to church, they have to hide in, in basements and caves to worship you, but we get to do it open and publicly. 
I thank you for um, just the opportunity and what you have been teaching me on this journey. I pray that as we focus the beginning of this year, 2020, talking about relationship goals, that we leave this series continually pursuing you and continue to pursuing community and healthy relationships. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So I'm a little out of breath because I was running around with little Nora playing basketball earlier. She has all the energy in the world. <laughs> I don't. Um, but when I, hear, when I hear goals, I default to basketball. When I was in high school, I was in Marine Corps ROTC. In my senior year, I decided to try out for the basketball team. And my drill instructor told me, it was like, if, if you're going to make that team, it's going to take the hand of God to rest on your shoulder to make it. So I tried out. And guess what happened? I didn't make it. <laughs> I did not make it whatsoever, uh, but I went on to play in college. I played two years in college and, um, and then coached. And kind of like the two highlights of my basketball career is this one time, I, like against our rivalry school, I got subbed in, I guarded a guy, he turned the ball over, and I got immediately subbed out. And then like my other highlight happened in practice. <laughs> um, like we, we played against, I played against with a lot of great guys who were 6'4", 6'6", could jump three, four times as high as I could. And so one time in practice, we're, we're playing and, and we had like a little inner squad rivalry. And one of the guys who, uh, he went on to actually compete in a dunk contest, uh, saw me under the goal and was like, oh, he's going to take this opportunity to get the, grab the ball and like windmill and dunk on me. The highlight was, by the grace of God, that never happened. I luckily, somehow, miracle, was able to dunk it, I mean block it. But when I see, like, guys that do that, I'm, to be honest, a little jealous because I'm like, man, I watch NBA, college basketball, seeing greats like Shaquille O'Neal jump and dunk a basketball and shatter the goal or guys like Vince Carter. And so when I was a kid and kind of even still now, I'll take a basketball goal rim and lower it all the way down so that I can go and, like, stick my elbow in the rim because there's no way I'm doing that at 10 feet. And I think probably most of us, whether we, like, play basketball or not, have done that before because it's, I mean, it's fun. Who doesn't want to, like, throw the ball off the rim and hit it because we'll never get the opportunity to do that in, like, real life at a 10-foot at a goal. Um, so when we lower a basketball goal, Overall, it's pretty harmless. Um, it doesn't really hurt anybody. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, most of us have sometimes have settled for a lower goal in our life. Um, whereas basketball, lowering a basketball goal, like I said, it's, it's harmless. It's fun. But when we settle for a lower goal in other areas of our life, it can be relatively de- detrimental. And I think the area that this happens most often in is in relationships, specifically singleness. Um, So uh, if I get my notes in order. Um, when, so so th- when we lower our goal in, in relationships, it can be relatively detrimental. Um, oftentimes, and specifically, like, I'm a newlywed, so I'm still kind of learning this, still kind of looking back on my time when I was single. What I've come to find out is, is the, way, the way we approach singleness has greatly affected our marriage. And, and oftentimes, we, um, our singleness has great effect on our, on our marriage. Oftentimes in marriage, we do more maintenance and healing than planning and preparation. Um, what I mean by that is a lot of us um, want to jump into a preferred future 
without having the proper planning and preparation. And to be like completely transparent, that was probably the case with me, Emma. I love her, and I'm glad we were married. But there's some things that as we have working on our third year in marriage, there was like, oof, I wish we had worked on these areas in our life before because our marriage would be so much more blossom now after three years if Michael had got Michael right and, or let Jesus get Michael right, for a better fact. And so, but I don't think, like, that's, like, undue. As a society, we pressure people from a little age, go find your Cinderella, go find your Prince Charming, you know, go find your wife, get your two and a half kids, your white picket fence, and don't forget the dog. And that's just how society has, like, forced and, and started teaching us from a young age. And I quite don't think the church is too far off. Um, sometimes when you, it feels like, oh, the church, you're 35 years old and you're not married? Like, what's wrong with you? Or you're 25 years old and you're single, you're not even engaged, you can't serve in our kids' ministry, that's creepy. Um, I actually had a pastor one time tell me that he wouldn't have asked me to serve if he didn't know that I was, uh, I had just proposed to Emma after this. He said, oh, I wouldn't have asked you to serve in our youth ministry if I didn't know you were about to get engaged. And I'm just like, it doesn't make, it doesn't, didn't make sense to me. Um, there's a well-known pastor in Florida that once said that you cannot be a mature Christian unless you're married. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was appropriate to laugh at that point. Because that, that's absurd because I think the most mature Christian, Jesus, who wasn't married, like, come on now. Um, so when, um, when we believe in these, these lies that are, are told, whether it's some, from society or even the pressure from our parents, like, oh, I want grandkids. Where are they at? Get married. I want great grandkids before, you know. When we believe in these lies, they can be um, detrimental. And we change our relationship goal from finding the one to just finding someone. And that affects our life and the lives around us. Um, so many of us, because of this pressure, um, we have forsaken like, this, single, this season of singleness, and we jumped into marriage unprepared. And one of the things that I've learned and found out is that w- when this happens, it always produces the same thing hurt people hurting people. This is very far from how God designed it. So uh, this is going to be a familiar passage. We've kind of already looked into it, but I think it's best to go back to the beginning. Let's see what Genesis 2 talks about in regards of relationships. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, except but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper for it. And now out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called every living creature, that was its name. Man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. So God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed it, up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman, and brought forth to the man. Then he said, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. 
Um, so there's a, like, God is a God of order. And one of the things that you, if you track along in that, you, you realize before God ever created, this passage normally talked about marriage, you know, uh, it is not good for man to be alone. So it's kind of a default when we look at marriage. But before God ever created Adam and Eve, he first created Adam. God created, gave us personhood before he ever gave us someone else. Uh, when we talking about singleness specifically, singleness is the only time uh, in our life where you have freedom and discretionary time. Like, I got a wife and two kids, and I love them, but I learned, like, man, I can't go, like, someone texts me, like, hey, you want to join this basketball league? And I'm like, let me go check with my wife. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's appropriate. Like, I should check with my wife before I make a six-month commitment to go out and play basketball for three nights of the week. Um, I have a job. I have other responsibilities. But when I was single, yeah, sure, let's hang out till 3 o'clock in the morning playing basketball and then drive back and go to school the next day. Like, those were just normal things that I did as a single person. Um, Singleness is a time when you're only responsible for yourself. And that's not a responsibility that we should take lightly. And I know for me, I kind of did. Um, there's some things like uh, singleness. If, if you take that responsibility well, you realize that singleness is about self-awareness. Um, who's heard of the Enneagram before? Anybody? Anybody? Once, once or twice? If you've been within 70 feet of Dave, you've heard about it. Um, and it, what's really cool is all these tools like the Enneagram, or personality test, Myers-Briggs, like the whole journey, dis, all those things are like, I want to get to know me better so then I can get to do my job better, have better relationships, have all these things. And, and so we're like, I'm, I'm going through, like I have an app on my phone that has like seven different personality tests because I want to know more about myself. And it's the, the singleness is an appropriate time for you to discover more about you and more importantly, how God created you, how God shaped you. Um, and uh, if we look at um, one of my favorite verses, it's Matthew 22, 36 and 40. Um, teacher, which is the greatest law, which is the greatest, I can't read. Teacher, which is the greater commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the great, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Uh, This is one of the things that if you're around me, like I talk about this all the time. I tell the students, you know, love God and love people. Love God and love people. We always talk about, oh, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the golden rule. Even if you're not a, a, a Christian, even if you didn't grow up in church, like I, I learned that verse in elementary school because it was on a wall. This is the golden rule. Love your neighbor. But there's a prerequisite to loving your neighbor. Um, the, what it says is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So my capacity to love someone else is in part dependent on my capacity to love myself. So part of that is trying to figure out what, is, what does it take for Michael to love Michael? Um, one of the times me and Emma was having a conversation, and she, I, we were talking about what is, um, what is it when I said, well, sometimes I, I don't feel appreciated. I was like, well, she turned around, well, how do you feel appreciated? And I was like, uh, 
Uh, and she's like, are you not going to say anything? I'm like, uh, I've never thought about it before. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but it's something that I was like, man, what does it look like for Michael to feel appreciated, to appreciate himself, to love himself, to care, care for himself? I think a lot of times we, we skip over to, well, I'm going to focus on other people, which is good. Like, it, we are supposed to love our neighbor. Clearly, that's in the Bible. But we, a part of that is loving ourselves, and a portion of loving ourselves is, is um, a portion of loving God is loving ourselves. And so in that, well, there's a time that in singleness we get the opportunity to, for some of us, to heal. Um, I had a, a relatively basic childhood. Uh, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in, and I was exempt from all of the issues that you hear about in inner city Detroit. Never had an issue with gangs, even though I had family members in there. Never had it, like, I didn't grow up with, you know, a crazy family story other than a single mom who just took care of us, and she worked hard. Um, So, but some of that, so you would think, like, man, I don't really have any hurts or habits or hang-ups to really heal from. But as I I got older and I started spending time around, um, I grew up without a dad for the most part of my life, started spending time with other guys. I started to realize there were some things about Michael that Michael didn't realize. Um, and at this camp that I actually met my wife at called Kids Across America, one of the guys, when we were just talking about our life stories, and I was telling him, like, yeah, I grew up without a dad. I grew up. He's like, that's it. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, I knew there, there was something about you where, like, you, you, your response to authority and these things, and, and sometimes you're defensive, and I couldn't figure out what it was. But I think, it's, I think you need to heal from growing up and not experiencing the love of, of a father. And so singleness is a great opportunity for you to discover yourself, to heal for any trauma or, I mean, anything. So it's an opportunity for you to heal from any hurts, habits. Because um, some of us, like, I mean, I, if, uh, if you've hung around teenage boys for two seconds, you know they got some habits that they need to improve on. One is showering, um, but I mean, we all have habits that we want to stop. I mean, every, every 2020 or every new year, we make that list of, I want to stop doing this, or I want to stop doing this, and we all have these habits that we want to kick, but so, as a single person, like, now's a great opportunity for you to work on those, and this isn't saying, like, oh, married people got it all together. My wife's over there. She can tell you that I don't, <laughs> but... This is one of the things that I look back at my singleness. is like, man, there's a lot more about Michael that Michael needed to discover um, beforehand. Um, and I think the most important part about singleness is it's, it's a time, it's a season of undistracted devotion to God. Uh, Matthew 6.33 says this. Um, let me see. I'm going to flip to it. It is page 815 in my Bible. So if you have the same one, I do. Uh, It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When when you are in a period of time where the only only responsibility you have is yourself, and you get the opportunity to love yourself, to discover yourself, Far more important than discovering and loving yourself is, is seeking after God and seeking after God first because that's when you'll be able to figure out all the things about you. 
And I couldn't do any of those things until I sought after God first. Um, one, of, um, one of the cool things that um, I think of this verse is, uh, has, has a, a lot to do with how me and Emma first met. Uh, we met at a camp called Kids Across America. It's one of the largest Christian sports camps in the States. And we were doing this exercise, and she kind of worked in the kitchen, and I worked at a high ropes course. And so we didn't immediately spend a lot of time together because she's on the ground and I'm 40 feet in the air. So I didn't get to see her a lot. But we were doing this one exercise where our camp director told us to go find this object. And it was all the camp route up. He said some things, and we were told to go, to go find it as, as fast as possible. So me and another guy, it was kind of a trick on the rest of the staff, but we took off running. And I was in great shape then. I was running a sub-six-minute sub mile. Um, not anymore. <laughs> but um, I was flying. And then I turned, and I was like, who's this chick running next to us? So me and this guy, Grant, we started running faster, and she, she kept up with us. One of the things that I talk to students and, uh, about is when, when it comes to relationships, the, f- the most important relationship is God and to seek after God first. And if all, God has called all of us to run our race and to seek after him. And as we're running that race, if you happen to look to the left or right and you see somebody cute with you, grab her hand and keep on running. And so that's literally what I did. Like we were running this race and I'm like, this girl came out of nowhere. And now here we are four years later. Um, and and the, the kind of the principle behind that is seeking first after God and being dog dogmatic, focusing on him first, not, oh, I saw somebody behind me. They were, they were kind of cute. Well, let me, let me wait for them to catch up. Like, that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to go after him first and foremost. And when we seek God first, all, as that pastor said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things have been, will be added to you. So before God ever gave relationships, before God ever created marriage, he first gave us personhood. The next thing is, he gave, us, he gave Adam a place. The Bible says he placed Adam in the garden. And for us, he's given all of us a place. I kind of, we've, a lot this week, we've talked about community and small groups have kind of been an emphasis this whole week, I mean, this whole series about relationships. Far more before before there's ever a romantic relationship or a marriage, God has given every single person a community. We were created by community, for community, and we need community. And for, for some of us, our place is here. <laughs> Congratulations, you're already here. Um, so seeking after like a place that whether you're in a, a marriage or you're dating or you're not dating or, or you're a widow or a widower, God has a place for you. Um, one of uh, that verse earlier I talked about is not good for man to be alone. And a lot of times I said that one's framed around marriage. But that word alone in Hebrew means all in one. Uh, the word picture there is uh, you're over there on an island by yourself. You're all in one. And we can't exist like that. We, we need people. There's never, I see articles and stuff, oh, self-made millionaire. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as a self-made person because all of us, one, it took two human beings to create you. So there you go. There's community immediately. But all of us need people. Um, we need people for uh, relationships, for healthy growth. We need people 
to help spur us on, to encourage us in times that we're struggling or we stumble. We need, we need a community to help pick us up. And small groups is a great extension of that. And just being a part of this family is a great extension of that. So God, God gave us a personhood, uh, an identity. He gave us a place, a community. And God gave us a purpose. In that passage, you see the first thing that God, God placed Adam in the garden. So person, place. Then he gave Adam a job. Uh, he gave Adam a responsibility to tend and watch over the garden. Um, there's, there's a, a myth. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of myths around singleness and marriage. But one of those is that you can't achieve your purpose without marriage. Um, um, a lot of times we look at singleness as a waiting room. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in my singleness until somebody comes along, and then I'm going to jump with them. But it's not. Singleness is not a waiting room. It's a training room. Um, everything that God has called you to be as a husband or wife, he first has called you to be as a man or a woman. Everything that God has called you to be as a husband or wife, he has first called you to be as a man or a woman. So as a wife, I think, as a husband and wife, I think the first thing that jumps out, you know, relationships is trust and faithfulness, right? Like, that's the bare bones. Like, that's where we want to start at. I want to have a relationship someone, with someone that I can trust and that's faithful. Well, he's called all of us to do that in every relationship, in every area. Um, I work for Starbucks, which I was trying to avoid making a Starbucks illustration today, but here it is. Um, I work for Starbucks, and I handle the cash on a daily basis there. God's called me to be faithful and trustworthy that when I'm making deposits, I'm not skimming off the top. He's called us to be uh, one of the simplest Bible verses says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So when I make a commitment to something with my yes, God's called me to do it. Far before a relationship, this has, this has everything to do with me and a single. Or when I say no to something, like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. He's called me to be faithful in that. So everything that God has called me to be as a husband, as a father, he's first has called me to be as a man. Um, uh, there's a verse, First uh, Peter, that kind of highlights this point. First Peter 1:3. And it is page 1015 in my Bible. I'm just saying, get you guys a good old ESV from Kids Across America. Um, first Peter, first Peter 1:3 says this. Um, That's not the right verse. <laughs> Second Peter. Next page over. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power, talking about God, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence. So God has given us everything for life and godliness, everyone, regardless of your relationship status, God has given you his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um, so there is, there's, that just kind of highlights the point that everything, like what God has called me to be as a husband, he has first called me to be as a man and then has given me the power to do so. Um, and the, so God has given us personhood, God has given us a place, God has given us a purpose and the last thing is God has given us parameters. Um, 
earlier I talked about basketball, and I love the game of basketball. It's my favorite sport. Um, I don't really watch the NBA, but I can talk to you about college basketball all day long, or let's just go over to LA Fitness. I just got a gym membership over there because I'm supposed to be training for this double 10K. I haven't ran at all, but I'm probably going to go there and play basketball instead of running because I just love the sport. But to enjoy the game of basketball, you got to stay in the bounds. I can't just pick up the ball and walk around and do whatever I want because it kind of makes for a lame game. Or, you know, if, if you guys remember a few years ago, uh, Ron Artest jumped into the stands with the basketball and kind of ruined the game. Like, to enjoy the game of basketball to its fullest, I have to stay in its parameters. And that's a lot like life. God has given us, last week Pastor Dave talked a lot about, about covenant and, and temptation and parameters. God has given us parameters in, in singleness. And I think this is the one thing that probably gets talked about the most when it comes to singleness is don't have sex, wait till your marriage. Prior to like actually studying this, this is probably the only thing that I could tell you about it because it's the only thing that people focused on. But it's so, it's so important to our lives and to our relationships is God has given us parameters within singleness. Um, Um, just out of curiosity, who's been married in the room longer than 15 years? Stand up, stand up, stand up. What about 20 years? I'm curious on who's, who's been married the longest. All right, we're going to skip the 25. 25 years? Sit, 25 years or less, sit down. 30 years. Four, give me a number. 57. Anybody got 57 years? How? No. 20, how long? 34. Wow, give him a hand. 44, 44. Yeah, you guys have been married a little bit longer than I've been alive, just, just a little bit. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's such, that's such a great example. You know, we're talking about relationship goals and 50, 57, 57 years. Um, yeah, that is worth clapping for, 57 years. <laughs> what we, oh, happy early anniversary. But what we often do in regards to relationships is we look at stories like 57 years, 58, 60 years, and go, man, they must have this awesome life, this awesome everything. But the reality is we're looking at a house. Singleness is the foundation to a marriage. When it is what, it is what, what marriage is built on, um, knowing that when two people come together, and make one, that they know who they are, who God made them to be, where God has placed them, what purpose or what mission God has given them, and the parameters that he has given them in, then they build on top of that foundation. And so I've kind of already been a little uh, humble and honest. Um, if you're like me, and you're like, man, like, I didn't have this glorious story of singlehood. You know, Dave and Gwen talked about that a little bit last week, and that they waited. Um, and he got a little awkward with it, but I'm not going to relive that. Um, <laughs> um, but the reality is that if, if any of you guys are like, man, I didn't have this, this singleness, this time of my life where I knew who God made me to be, where I had this purpose, where I had this vision, the great thing is, Jesus, <laughs> it's not too late. Um, me, three years in, we're, we're looking back at the last three years of our life going, what areas in our life did we, did we miss the mark on knowing who God made us to be? I kind of shared that a little bit of like, man, I don't know how um, I even receive affirmation. Like, I don't know 
uh, I'm learning these things about myself and even purpose. Like, what is, what is our purpose? You know, what is our mission individually? And what has God called us to do collectively? Uh, it's never too late to look back on that. And the glorious thing on top of that, like this marriage is a house um, for some of us. And it's, it's some of us are called to be married and some of us are called not. But the, what's far better than that is the, founda- is the bedrock, and that's Jesus. Regardless of your relationship status, God loves you. And to be honest, God cares more about your relationship status than you do. And you're like, nah, bro, I'm still single, and I don't want to be. He clearly doesn't, but he does. He wants you to to spend this time of singleness working on these things so that when you go off and you do, if if marriage is a desire for you and, and you go off into that, that you can do it healthy, that you can do it full, and you can enjoy a full and meaningful life in marriage. Um, um, so looking at, like, uh, earlier I said singleness has implications for those that are single and those of us that are married. Um, I think uh, just a few things that come to mind is uh, there's another myth that when I get married, it's going to improve my life. Like, I get married, my, all my problems are going to be fixed. Um, <laughs> Married persons in the back of the room. <laughs> um, but that's just not the reality. All those things that, that we hide from other people around us, like, I mean, I'm up here in front of you, but I can hide a lot about my life, and that's pretty easy to do relatively. I cannot do that from her. Um, I bite my fingernails. You guys didn't know that. Now you do. Um, I may or may not forget to clean them up <laughs> when I leave. She sees that. That's a silly example but everything that we're able to hide from other people, our spouses will find out. Um, and so we jump into marriage thinking like, oh, this is going to be the thing that breaks um, my struggle with lust or pornography, or I can have a partner that will help walk through this addiction or whatever it is, and this marriage is going to fix me. But it's a false reality because what you do is if you take two eggs and one of them is bad and you go to make an omelet, I'm not eating it. <laughs> um, it's going to be a bad omelet. Um, but again, Jesus. Um, um, another, another thing that we look at marriage is security. Like, oh, I, I want a secure life. I don't, have to, I don't want to have to worry about anything. So I need somebody. I want to get married so that I have this security. Now, marriage does provide security. And it does provide comfort. There's a verse, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, and it talks about how uh, two together are better than one. Because uh, if I fall off the stage and break my neck, I got Rory to help pick me up, right? I have someone else that can help. Two are better than one. And that's talking about community. But, the, um, but far more than marriage, Jesus provides that security. Um, we talked earlier and said that we love you, but that God loves you. And God loves you far more than any of us ever could, to the point that he laid down his life for you to have a relationship with you. And that is the most secure place in your life you can be, is in the will of God, in the hands of God, in the heart of God. He loves you, and he's seeking after you, and he wants a relationship with you. So some of the, some of the things that... Um, that we, some of the expectations that we carry into marriage um, and that we place on another person are really things that we should be expecting of God. But because we're seeking after this desire for intimacy, this desire for security, 
we're looking for it in the in some of the wrong places. So there's expectations that like man, I I I jumped I married, so should my life feel meaningful? Shouldn't I have this purpose? Shouldn't I have this this meaning? And you're and some of us are still wondering because we place those expectations on our spouse, which then kind of creates a break in the relationship and makes things hard when those expectations are really need to be placed on Jesus um, because he calls us to. Like, I I love that, that we serve a God that says, you can expect this from me. Um, You can expect me to be faithful even when you are faithless. I love that. It's the times that I'm running away from God when I have my own mess, so I'm trying to hide it from everybody else. I'm trying to hide it from my wife, and I'm running away from God. God said, I'm right here because I'm going to be faithful regardless. You can place that expectation on me. You can place that feeling of security that I will be here with you. I will chase after you. I will love you regardless of what you do and regardless of what you don't do. Um, um, And then kind of one of the... One of the things when it comes to marriage or relationship, you're trying to figure out, like, man, we're talking about singleness. I want a relationship. Some of you guys are like, no, I'm tired of people. I just want to be by myself. Um, and maybe that's what God's calling you to do. My, when, it, when it comes to relationship, this is what I would challenge every student to, and I think it applies to every person, is will that relationship point you towards Christ? Will that relationship, will the enjoyment of my wife increase my enjoyment of Christ? Will, will my relationship between me and my wife not just only direct us towards God, but will it, will it direct others towards God? And that was part of the heartbeat when me and Emma got married. Um, I grew up without a dad. I grew up in a broken home. The camp that we worked at, we served hundreds of kids that had a similar story. Um, and I even hate the word broken home, but the reality is there was a break in the relationship and that these kids grew out without a dad or some of them without a mom. They grew up with great grandma or grandmother and they never saw what a covenant relationship looked like. So at that camp, we would bring in families um, that from all different backgrounds, all different walks in life, and we would essentially have a seminar. What, is, what does it look like for a husband to love a wife? What does it look like for a wife to love a husband and raise raise children. Um, I, I got the opportunity to see that over and over and over again, not just in church, but at this camp. And when me and Emma met, he was like, man, we want this for our city. We want this for Detroit. We want to see, we want to be on display so that other people get to know what does a healthy home look like. So now it's like, for some of us, it's, it's cyclical. Um, like, your, your dad grew up without a dad, and then now you're growing up without a dad, and, and then it easily can fall into the next thing, like your son's now growing up with a dad or a mom, and they're breaking relationship, but somebody has to put their foot down and say, no, like this cycle is going to stop, and for us, that started with us. Um, for me, that started with us, um, and so we believe that our relationship would not just direct us towards God but it would direct others towards God because there's a beautiful picture in the Bible that the relationship between God and his people is displayed in marriage. Um, So part of that is easy to see. We're talking about relationship goals. And so is the goal to have a relationship? No. Um, The goal isn't to be married. Marriage could be a part of fulfilling the goal, but the, the goal is to look more like Jesus. And so if my relationship can help me look more like Jesus, 
then, then that's what I'll do. Um, there's even a guy in the Bible, Paul, we looked at some of the stuff he said earlier, and he says that for him, for him to look more like Jesus, it was better that he remained single, that it was better for him not to be married and for him to remain single. And he went through some crazy things. He, got, he traveled a lot, which is really hard to do when you have a wife and kids. Um, he got stoned a lot, which is also, like, scary to do. And, you know, I, uh, somebody invited me to go skydiving. I was like, man, I got a wife and kids. I don't know if I want to do anything that extreme because I don't want anything to happen. But, but so, you know, uh, my goal is, the goal in relationships is what does it mean for me to be more like Jesus and that's what I need to pursue. Um, so I have four S's to help, like, to focus on singleness. And the first we already talked about is seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. Find satisfaction in Christ and Christ alone. Um, satisfaction in singleness and satisfaction in marriage is found in Christ at the foot of the cross. The We have a God-sized hole in our heart. I know that kind of sounds a little cliche and a little Christianese, but God created us to have relationship with him and others, but first with him. And so being, being married, that doesn't, that doesn't fix that God-sized hole. We first have to seek after God first, and all those other things will come. Uh, the other S is be a student. Um, study God's word. Use this time of, of singleness where you have a period of undistracted um, devotion towards God, and to study, learn more about what is, you, you, where's First Peter? Where's, I clearly don't know where First Peter is. Where's Second Peter? Like, where, like how, how can I learn more about God? This book gives us so much, like, we can say, well, man, I really want to hear from God. Like, why isn't God talking to me? He did. <laughs> he wrote you a love letter. It's 66 books long. So study the word of God. Uh, get inside of effective discipleship relationship. Uh, I said earlier, we need each other. That means I need someone pouring into me, and I should be pouring into someone else. So my question is, who do you have that, that is leading you? Who do you have that's pouring into you? Because if, if this water bottle was empty, I'm not going to pour it out because that would make a mess and Liz would get mad. But if I'm always pouring myself out and I have no one pouring into me, I will empty myself, and what do we do with empty water bottles? We crumble them up, and we, we throw them away. We need someone pouring inside of us. We need community, and we need accountability, and we need to study God's Word. Uh, the last S is serve. Serve now, serve often, and serve others. With, if you're a single in this room, you're, you have the opportunity to serve far, to do more for God than what I can right now. It's like, ah, oh, that doesn't make sense. It does, because you have more time. And, and even those that are married, we still need to apply by this. We still need to serve now, serve often, and serve others. Um, what my, my thought, my last thought on this is, what would it look like if just this room, just this room practiced singleness? And singleness as a single, and reverting back to singleness and trying to figure out in marriage... What is, what, who did God make me as a person? Where did he place me? What is my purpose? And what are the parameters? What if just this room practiced that? There's about 100 kids outside these walls um, jumping on a play gym and having fun. What if we were able to be that example for them and that they would learn 
and then affect another generation and another generation. Uh, early in the, in the first part of the Bible, there's these three guys that are talked about often. And it's, uh, and it's often referred as the Lord of Abraham, the Lord of Isaac, the Lord of Jacob. Man, that's a legacy right there. You look through the Old Testament, that's talked about a lot. The Lord, the Lord of Abraham, the Lord of Isaac, the Lord of Jacob. I want that legacy. I want my son to go, man, I followed my dad's, my dad's Lord. Now, it'd be weird because it's going to be the son of the Lord of Michael, the Lord of Michael, the Lord of Michael. Um, but, but what a legacy for, for my daughter to see. He's like, man, I saw my parents' faith, and I saw how they focused on Christ first and sought after him first and allow all those other things to happen and put on this display. Um, what would the world look like after that? Um, the band's going to um, join us. Oh, they're already up here. Awkward. Um, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I, I thank you for your desire for relationship with us. I pray that um, we first just seek after you and that in a- any area in my life, in Michael's life, that I'm not doing that, I pray that you illuminate that to me, to my wife, and, and to those that are pouring themselves inside of me so that I can chase after you, that knowing that the goal is pursuing you first and foremost. I pray for everyone in this room, and especially the youth, that they don't have to grow up without the, the picture that you paint of, of healthy relationships, that they know what healthy relationships should look like and ought to look like so that they get the opportunity to avoid hurt and hangups in that area. I thank you that ultimately, regardless of what um, our singleness or our marriage has been or will be, that you love us regardless and you are a redemptive God and you are a reconciling God and that you can fix anything. So I thank you for placing me around uh, these people to spur on my marriage and help me focus back on you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.